Welcome to Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan Heyman. You can call me H. And I'm Ryan Quintel. You can call me Q. We've, uh, we are currently on uh, Thanksgiving break as of the time of recording um, for the Americans in the audience. We'll know all about that. We get the rest of the week to just kind of kick back, potentially eat some food. Although this time around, I don't know, we're probably, you know, not going to be getting together with large groups of extended families. So it might look a little different this time around, but, um, you know, we get to, uh, at least have some time to recollect our thoughts and, uh, kind of recharge the old well. Yeah. I mean, specifically as of time of recording, I have, uh, stuffing doing its day before pre-bake in the Mm. oven. I've got, uh, a brining liquid that is cooling so I can brine it. We're doing a, a roasted chicken this year rather than a turkey because there's only, of okay. course, two of us. Yeah, I guess I'm going to do some amalgamation of the at-home Thanksgiving with just my wife and I. All right. Well, that's uh, that's exciting. Do you have any other plans for Black Friday or any of the <laughs> rest of the time off? Or are you just going to try to hit the couch and, uh, and take it easy until Monday. I'll tell you what I have here in my hands, uh, something I would deeply consider an irrational purchase H Mm -hmm. I'm holding a Nintendo game and watch that is telling me the time. Okay. So like one of the new ones. Yeah. (laughs) Presumably. Um, and I kind of, I, I'm, I'm, I'm staring at it and I'm like, why did you get this Ryan? But also at the same time, I don't know if it's the color and the form factor and all that stuff, but I do feel like holding a little mini uh, tribute to Nintendo's history, which is kind of cool. Does it uh, does it work pretty well for what it is? <laughs> that's that's remained to be seen. I I'm, I can't tell if it's charging or not, despite the fact that I do think <laughs> I've I've got it properly plugged in here. I might have to go and look at uh, my cable situation. But here, listen, to that. I'll try and hold this up to the mic. We'll see if we can capture it here. Pressing some buttons. Can you hear that? I heard a little beep. Yeah, probably just barely. Mm-hmm. That that bomb sound. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. the second timer on the, <laughs> the game and watch. And then it just, Does it do that every second? <laughs> yeah, but luckily you can go into the menu and in and true Nintendo UI fashion, you can press left, 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 left to turn <laughs> the volume all the way off on it. Wow. But I can't believe anybody would want to keep that on. <laughs> that sounds like a great feature. <laughs> no, no um, but I'm I'm excited to try. I will say this: the you know, rest assured, I would say it it looks like it has a very well backlit screen. It seems nice. Obviously, these ran off of some modern production line, but it it looks like Mario One and Mario Two, and oh, you can hear that. That's nice and loud. Um, but the yeah, essentially, it looks it looks surprisingly good on the screen. So I'm I'm excited to uh, maybe spend a little time with it. I probably won't beat Mario on it. I don't I don't see why I would without you know just nice features like rewind and stuff that we have on the virtual consoles nowadays. That's uh that's cool. I'm glad you got at least something for your kind of mantelpiece in the future, even if it's not something that you feel like you need to play from start to start to end. Oh, and I I finally. Um, started Hyrule Warriors. Oh, great. The original one then. I'm in the original. Do do I need to play the original before I play the new one? Uh, not really. Okay. I would play the original instead of the new one though. Oh no. (laughs) Why is that? I mean, I hold the original in really high regard. The new one is fine, but like the switch 
uh, feels like a bit off more than it can chew with this one. It's um, it's really struggling to run. Do you think that there's just kind of half a mind with that release of like, ah, there'll be another switch in a year and we'll it'll make up for it or something? It, gosh, it feels like it was made for a more powerful system than the one that it launched with. Um, yeah, and wow. I kind of wonder about that because Hyrule Warriors Legends launched kind of alongside the new 3DS or shortly thereafter yeah, and did kind of take full advantage of the new 3DS hardware. And so I wonder if this was also intended as like a launch alongside the new Switch that for some reason had to be pushed back because Nintendo has been sitting on its hands for the past nine months. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, it's one thing I've been thinking about is like, there's always like this balance that Nintendo strikes of putting out really great software while also being like really petty, vindictive, and just generally boneheaded mm. with like public relations type of stuff and uh, lawsuits and and this kind of thing and that. And, you know, it's, it's always like, you know, you'll get like a great Nintendo release and you'll be kind of high off of that for a while. And then you'll see like Nintendo, uh, you know, gives a cease and desist to Sprite websites because they're infringing on their copyright. <laughs> right. you know, like, like really dumb, like awful, awful things that Nintendo is doing. But like usually it's balanced out by like kind of a swath of high quality software. You're like, I still kind of like Nintendo, though. This year, Nintendo hasn't really had right. the, uh, the streak of high quality software that they've enjoyed previously. And they've still been at their just being vindictive dicks. It's like, if you guys have time of, uh, for this, do you have time to make me that Metroid Prime? Like, I'm ready for it. Yeah, it's just kind of like, you know, they, they just like they don't have the balance anymore. It's all like, it's all like bad out of touch Nintendo and very little of like the good creative mastermind Nintendo. Uh, so, do you think that's yeah, a direct, I don't know. It's a um, uh, direct result of sort of the current system's success. You know, it feels like like Wii U and with most of the platform holders, you're either waffling somewhere between the oh, we know what we're doing, don't mess with us, we know exactly what's going on, and of course the we're so sorry, we're gonna make good on this. <laughs> well, uh, e I mean, even when Nintendo was you know, during the middle of the Wii U period, they were still being very rude to everyone else. Like that didn't really saw them. I feel like that part of it has remained a constant yeah. for a long, long time. Uh, but I think it's just like coronavirus has hit Nintendo harder than like anyone else in the industry for some reason. Like they just didn't adapt to the like work from home quite as well as like everyone else did. Yeah, you don't think of Nintendo so as like just... a modern company that can pivot like that when yeah. it comes to changing decisions. I, w I will say this about this little Game & Watch thing, which is mm -hmm. by some good graces, someone managed to ensure that uh, it A, has a rechargeable battery and B, uh, that port on it is a USB-C. Ah, I was curious about that. <laughs> yeah, so I I think this is this is one area of my tech life where I feel like it's the perfect intersection between old man who doesn't want to be hassled by the complexity mm -hmm. of different cords and uh, very forward-looking adopter where literally when I go and buy something now, I'm if it doesn't have USB-C, I'm, I'm thinking twice or three times about it. I actually even like yeah. replaced a bunch of uh, Xbox controllers this past week as they were on sale and just, you know, please, one charger in my life. Let's get to it. That's right. Well, let's, uh, let's get some video game ideas for the day. I'll be going first today. 
And um, what I'm going to be giving is kind of an open-ended pitch. Let's see if we can kind of add some concrete details to it and find some uh, interesting direction along the way. Uh, so basically, I'm inspired by a uh, by the I Spy books. You ever read those growing up? Mm, love them. I know this has been kind of a point of reference in the past as well on the show. I always love the really intricate scenes that they build. This is kind of still scenes that are um, just so kind of like lovingly built. Uh, I'd like to capture kind of that level of level of kind of detail Density, in yeah. its environmental design. Uh, but, you know, kind of make a digital um, hidden objects type of game. And again, we've done this kind of thing, but I, I just want to see like what kinds of complexities we can bring to it. Because I think since then we've had uh, quite a few kind of interesting releases that have um, played with this a little bit. I, I like um, recently I Am Dead this year. I am uh, by, dead. Uh, Annapurna. Yeah, it's a it's a cool game. You play essentially a ghost on an island, and you are able to look through these kind of various scenes by kind of as you zoom into objects, it like bisects them. Like you kind of get a cross section as you pass through objects, oh. and it allows you to see you know if it's a cooking pot you're looking at, then getting the cross section of it would show what is, you know, cooking inside of it. And so you get to see those more kind of the details on the inside of everything. Um, so many kind of cute little details that it's able to kind of communicate with that. So um, that's just like a fun little example of that kind of 3d scene, hidden object game brought into the modern era. I'd like to find another angle to take it. Another way that we can uh, creatively interpret the hidden object genre in 3d. So I'm going to start the clock there. I, I do like this. And, and I, I can actually, I don't know if you had a similar experience, but I can vaguely remember also having some of these books do things like um, come with a little magnifying glass that would kind of tint <laughs> everything you, it's not a magnifying glass, but I guess like a little lens or something that mm. everything through it would be tinted red or tinted blue, almost like just one lens of 3D glasses. And mm -hmm. because of the ink that the book was printed in, you'd have kind of three layers of discovery, oh. things that stood out in red, things that stood out in blue. And then I, I, I you know, maybe, I don't know, some third, could be, it could have been black, I forget. But I wonder if there is like a, you do something where there's multiple lenses and suddenly objects that, you know, might look like a tree end up being like, I don't know, a, a lion mane or something in, in another view. That's interesting. I, I, you know, I think the, the danger there, if there are kind of multiple lenses, each that reveal different secrets about the world, is that you would have to basically look at everything three times instead of just looking at it once it would be more of a yeah. kind of start and stop. Um, rather than something that kind of flows continuously. But, um, you know, maybe thinking back to another game, Metroid Prime, I always really, I, I liked filling up the encyclopedia more than I liked actually accomplishing the game's challenges. <laughs> like whenever I'd run across a new creature, it'd be so fun to just like flip on the scan visor and learn about it. Those and, Chozo ruins. Yeah, just watch those numbers go up. Like maybe that's kind of an interesting starting point. Like do something sort of between Gone Home and Metroid Prime where you are kind of inhabiting a physical character walking around these worlds, but uh, the object of the game is to, you know, go on scavenger hunts and find things and maybe, you know, kind of like Pokemon Snap, maybe there are certain things that cast shadows if they're viewed from certain angles or, you know, there's like creative uses of the environment like that. 
I, I do like the idea, too, of maybe, you know, there's the act of discovery, like you said, thinking about the way that, you know, an explorer might have trinkets or things that they bring home with them or to their gallery or what have you. I wonder if there's kind of an angle of you being able to, once you identify an object, you getting a, you know, a Smash Brothers-like trophy or like a miniature of it. Mm. As you as you like discover things through these 2D dioramas, you can get the objects and actually like have a little living space where you can design your own 3D diorama of <laughs> the entire space. Yeah, some interplay between 2D and 3D there. Maybe hmm, maybe finding an object, you know, if this was kind of like a like a optical illusion hidden object type of game, if discovering an object within the 2d space transformed it into a 3d object that you could like use as a platform to reach higher up on the image or something like that or maybe it could turn on a light that will illuminate more of the image um i could see some kind of creative use i'm also thinking about uh astro's playroom which was uh was shipped with the playstation 5 has some really lovely uh collectible you know you can find bits of classic playstation hardware kind of scattered throughout its world as collectibles and then each time you collect one you get to use the um use the controller to kind of rotate the object and and view it from every angle and and it's very you know lovingly and detailed uh, render of each of these objects all of the screws are in the correct place and the fcc certification on the back and you know like all the details are are correct it's as close as you can get to holding one of these objects without actually owning one yeah i uh i heard that there's some hot multi-tap action inside of that game so yes there's a <laughs> yeah you can collect a couple multi-taps that's great i i don't know if the format of the game hidden folks do you know the game yeah i don't know if the format of that game is like this but one thing that i i kind of think would be interesting is starting with the i spy that is a the hidden folks like size and complexity of just like the small space. And then like, as you discover some, let's say 80% of the things that there are to discover in that space, the map itself like widens. So you almost end up in mm -hmm. something of an open world kind of I spy game. It's interesting as well. Um, it would be kind of fun to have like a giant city sized map like, uh, you know, like in Spider-Man or something like that with just clever, creative things kind of hidden throughout that you could explore around and find, you know, I like personally, I was really excited for Hidden Folks and it was on its way. But when it actually launched and I, I played quite a bit of it, I didn't care for it that much. Um, I felt like the using Where's Waldo as a point of reference. Yeah. You know, I, I love Where's Waldo and I love all the, like, especially all the little stories that it tells along the way, like you can look at any character and they're involved in some sort of mishap that's going on somewhere. Yes. Usually, you know, there's, it carries across multiple characters that are all reacting to the same thing or dropping something that's going to land on somebody else and somebody notices on its way down. Like all these stories that are being told visually in this moment that the artist has captured, like that's what makes it really exciting. And Hidden Folks was just, you know, being in black and white, it wasn't as kind of immediately fun to look at as a Where's Waldo and also being kind of simpler sketches, which, you know, I don't begrudge the artist that like there's still a lot to draw. Like you have to 
find ways to uh, simplify the process for yourself. But, um, you know, being simpler sketches, it didn't feel like the objects you were searching for were really distinctive enough or, um, and it didn't really give the same level of ability to tell stories in these environments. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I was left a little bit cold by that one, but uh, I do like the general idea and um, another game that I always point to when we're talking about where's wallow types types of games is Katamari, where yeah. you basically roll around this world and there are just weird, crazy things happening, but they're all telling stories. They're not just like an isolated object. Like it's usually, you know, uh, men with giant bouffant hairdos are leading a parade of bears that are uh, standing on top of like circus balls. Like that's like, you know, and these weird things will be happening. People will be running away from runaway uh, giant tortoises. And, you know, it's just weird stuff, but it's all reacting to each other. And um, I find that kind of fun as well. I know that there was eventually a follow-up called Hidden Through Time. Okay. And Hidden Through Time was the hidden folks kind of doing, from what I understand, the color version of hidden folks so maybe a little bit more enjoyable to look at but i i Mm. agree with you i think like i guess to quote unquote improve upon to maybe add some more dynamism to the hidden gameplay it might be really interesting to you know their their world is static right it's just kind of uh sprites that are animated and maybe there's a few different types of animations but they mostly stay still and you're you're just kind of combing over the details until you find it in the same way that we, you know, we hear about these open worlds and um, how, oh, these NPCs, they have their daily routine or the same way in like a city skylines, you can click on a single car um, or a single person and watch them like get into their car yeah. throughout the day and follow them throughout the day. I wonder if there's like a little every diorama you go to, almost everybody has a little day night routine and the day night cycle yeah. happens slowly. Or it could be fun if there's like a day night slider that like naturally progresses, but you can kind of like, you know, move it forwards or backwards yourself to kind of see things in fast motion or in rewind. Yeah, that's cool. So now I have control, like I can literally click on the the sun or something in the sky and drag it around. And maybe that even casts (laughs) casts different shadows, right? Now the shadows are a dynamic of if something's hidden behind a tree, but at a certain angle, I can see that, oh, there's a a second object being cast behind there. Mm. Or even just, you know, the taking the hidden series into 3D, right? So if we do the 3D thing Mm -hmm. and do a little day-night cycle with some dynamic shadows, the aesthetic in my head is almost like Hitman Go-ish. You know, that Mm -hmm. kind of flat, but, uh, you know, global illuminated shaded sort of stuff. (laughs) And you let me, like... Can you imagine if I had like a Captain Toad level of like world rotation going on? And so you can really kind of, every level feels like that dense, you know, Japanese Zen garden sort of thing, but things are really interesting. They're happening. And if you, if you pay close attention, I think having these things have cycles and movement and stuff, you can 
or or maybe if you can't control it, it you literally just have from morning till late at night and everything always tells the same story but you can now like script comedy in there you can script tragedy in there you could see like the the story of a little boy that gets lost from his parents and ends up wandering all around the map and you can see uh you know somebody uh, you know a chef lose control of his kitchen and you know set some some food on fire or something and and you can do all of that in a really tight dense world i imagine our next gen consoles with the the better CPUs would be well equipped to do this sort of stuff. Very cool. That's uh, that's enough time on that one. Let's uh, let's give it a name. You know, I hate to attach it to the hidden series, but it's almost like Hidden World or something. Is this the triumphant video game return of Where's Waldo? That could be fun. Uh, has I, I assume there must have been Where's Waldo games before, right? On the Super Nintendo, I think. Yeah, I mean, I I would guess that there would be. He was notable enough, but I don't I don't know. Uh, let's see what would be, uh, let's find a fun kind of video game Waldo pun. Open Waldo. <laughs> open, open Waldo. Uh, Wal- Waldo uh, Warcraft. <laughs> <laughs> it's too bad. That doesn't really make any sense to what we just pitched. Uh, let's see. Um, Waldo where? <laughs> Waldo where's pretty good. I was going to say like, uh. Waldo's Crafted World or something like that. Waldo's Woods. Waldo's Woods. Ooh, I feel... Waldo Ouija. <laughs> I mean, are we are we just, like, skirting Waldo's World or something? Has any... Have they done the the true world of Waldo? <laughs> world of Waldo. I, I do like that. That's uh, that's fun. And to make it kind of a global theme as well. Um, yeah. Which sets it up well for the Carmen Sandiego sequel crossover. <laughs> Where in Waldo's right. World is Carmen Sandiego? Be extra hard to find. Waldo's World. That's a it's a fun man. If this could even be a procedural type thing like No Man's Sky, where every like you do have a map the size of the actual world, <laughs> oh but God. I can't even imagine how is it, wait, a is it Waldo's would World or World of Waldo? Do we I like Waldo's World. Waldo's it's kind world. of like a yeah. it's a fun ring to it. What are you bringing today? Um. Well, I in the news this week, uh, we heard that IO Interactive is going to be making a James Bond game. I'm sure you, being a Hitman fan, are you excited about this? Yeah. I mean, I I love Hitman. Mm-hmm. Any any series that you love enough, you kind of like have that mixed feeling of like, can't wait to see what else they do, but also I don't want anything distracting them from my one true love. <laughs> right, right. Um, I, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm interested in seeing what they do with this. Yeah. Are we going to get the um? The what is it the um Kanan Kanan Lynch IO on this one one spy series that's near and dear to my heart is as you might uh, know already is Mission Impossible mm-hmm. the last time I felt like I got a uh, a game that made me as a you know kid feel like I was in Mission Impossible was actually the Nintendo sixty four Mission Impossible which is admittedly a terrible game but it had things like the the room of lasers that Ethan Hunt is lowered into, and it had the concept of kind of knocking people out and trying to swap their face uh, with the face maker and all this sort of stuff, um, or swap mm. your face with theirs and get you know get into their sort of getup and stuff. And it was all kind of wild for a Nintendo sixty four era game, and of course probably very poorly executed to our standards now. But I was thinking about uh, who would make a really great uh, Mission Impossible game. Uh, which is, I guess the modern Mission Impossible is a lot of um, face swapping stuff, a lot of uh, 
I don't want to say parkour, but I feel like that's almost James Bond's territory now, but building, climbing, and like secret mm-hmm. hatches and escapes and collecting someone's fingerprint secretly, all of that sort of stuff in a game. But I was also wondering if there's a way to, and I know this is a bit of cliche, to almost turn the pacing of it a lot more uh, Dark Souls, a lot more you know, slow, methodical, challenging. I feel like Dark Souls has really done something to combat, to make slow, methodical, but extremely precise combat fun. Um, And, you know, the players who like that game also don't mind slamming their head against a wall when it comes to trying to defeat a boss, for instance. I wonder Mm -hmm. if you could do the same thing, but it's, you know, trying to scale the empire state building with nothing except for like suction cups and a bungee cord or something like that. Um, so lots of thoughts about scaling buildings, sneaking into places, uh, impersonating people, uh, and collecting evidence in some true spy craft, but maybe in an ultra hard methodical way is the summary of the pitch. I started the clock. There was a game a number of years ago, and I'm not going to necessarily say that it was like an example of excellent, flawless game design, but it definitely had some interesting ideas. It was called Spy Fiction. It was by um, by Swery, who did the uh, Deadly Premonition games, but it, uh, it, it did have kind of a level of like gadgetry and interesting kind of impersonating other characters and, and that kind of thing that I uh, I felt was pretty ambitious for being a you know relatively out of nowhere PlayStation Two game, uh, you know th- I think there's I think there's things to work off of. Um, I love games that give you the ability to you know dress as somebody else and imper- and uh, impersonate or to infiltrate a place that they might have access to. You know Hitman or Destroy All Humans or Infamous. No, not Infamous. What was the other one? Uh, Prototype. Oh yeah, yeah. It yeah. would give you the ability to kind of assume somebody else's identity. Uh, there's, um, I think there's uh, a lot of, f- uh, fun to be had in, uh, just cause style, you know, navigation around using gadgets and grappling hooks and weaponry to, to create quite a, you know, kind of a large splash in the world. Um, but, uh, I guess I'm, I'm most interested in this idea of making it very kind of methodical and, and slow and difficult. You think in the kind of like a splinter cell type of feel to it like what what could we do to really kind of set it apart make it its own genre in a way it's hard for me to say but i think like the feeling of that you see in a spy movie or like a movie like mission impossible of you get in there uh you you infiltrate you go about your mission as you thought it was going to happen and then a moment that actually serves video games very well usually happens which is like oh the files are in a safe we didn't know the files were in a safe and now suddenly you are trying to trying trying to solve a new problem you didn't know you had going in mm. and and potentially not equipped for so you know i i think we've all played a lock picking mini game a hacking mini game and things like that inside of a game but i i wonder like what happens if you make cracking a safe as hard as actually cracking a safe? Like, I don't even know if you can do that, but this feeling of it's so, it's so easy to trip the alarm system. It's so easy to, you know, a face maker does not create a perfect disguise. It, it creates one of those situations where 
Um, if you'd get too close or let someone make contact for too long, um, you'll be found out. And so you're like Hitman, right? You're, you're doing some combination of like trying to take, uh, take on other people's skin, but also the act of, of making your way through a room with lasers is actually something where you are imagined something that would create that feeling of tightly gripping your controller, uh, hands sweating, barely moving the joystick, lots of, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. I'm going to just, I'm going to put that foot right back to where, mm-hmm. to where it was. I don't know necessarily what the control scheme would be, but I, I feel like you'd have to get into a mechanics, almost like you could make your body like twister or something where you actually have to like cycle between limbs and, and articulate them one thing at a time as you, as you climb up buildings and as you uh, sort of uh, scooch around security systems. So uh, what is the, what does the failure condition look like? Are you kind of infiltrating procedurally generated rooms that you have, uh, you know, if you lose then you are kind of cleared from that level and you have to kind of start a new somewhere else, like a roguelike or, is this more like Dark Souls where there are kind of intermittent checkpoints and maybe you can unlock shortcuts to get back to where you were before? That's interesting. I wonder if like, I like the idea of the roguelike. I, and, I'm, and I'm starting to think about how you mentioned, um, and I feel the same way, that satisfaction of like scanning things uh, and, and adding to your encyclopedia. What if the... What if it was kind of these roguelike levels, like you cannot fail when you die, you, the, the level just starts again. I know that might sound infuriating, but if we, if we give you some tools, like people that you scan with the face maker, anyone you scan, you're, they're permanently added to your database. So now you can show up to the level as different people. Mm-hmm. Um, and Maybe we also do some stuff like uh, if you do get halfway through cracking a safe, um, we're finally able to, you know, expose those initial two numbers to you. But, you know, I I think one thing that stealth games, uh, going all the way back to Splinter Cell, um, just kind of surrendered to was, all right, stealth is going to break down and then we got to make it fun to shoot and murder everybody. And I think that like, finding some way to take that way off the table again and create more of a pure stealth experience might be more in line with, with, with something that could make stealth interesting again. Okay. What other sorts of roguelike elements do you think we could add in? I know your dead cells and things of the world have the, you don't quite know what weapon you're going to get throughout a run, right? I mean, I think finding and improvising along the way, you know, finding things that you can pick up off of the ground and you know, incorporating them into your loadout uh, could keep these runs, you know, fresh and unpredictable, uh, can kind of force you to think with different strategies. Is there an aspect of if, if, a, if a particular building was broken into, then presumably they would install security that would kind of patch the holes that you got into the first time? Like, would we want to cause these buildings to kind of change up along the way or... Do we keep it very Dark Souls and like everything just kind of, you know, it's about memorizing where the enemies are and memorizing all the kind of twists and turns of these uh, courses? Um, I'm, I'm interested in either. I, I think the um, if we did the you have to remember where everybody is, what everybody's doing, maybe it's, you know, semi reactive, like a hitman level. 
in some ways. But I one thing that I do think, you know, at, at the end of the day, most of the articulations in the in the verbs in a hitman are, I mean, you know this better than I, but I, I don't know if they get very mechanical about the theft of information. They're often very uh, maybe elaborate in the sequence of, sequence of events that plays out, but and well timed and things like that. But that feeling of like, okay, this this room is temperature controlled. Like if it goes above a certain temperature, mm. um, you've got to figure out what you can do in the environment, whether that's like, you know, find enough buckets of ice or something and then, you know, get, dump them on yourself or something or turn on a cold shower and like get wet and, and, and make your way into the room. But like understanding that there are a bunch of tools and you have to somehow like depending on the security system or the security state that you find yourself in, you need to mechanically do something to overcome that obstacle. That's I know this is con- complicated. Um, <laughs> potentially finding ways if if buildings are kind of like open floor plan. Um, I'm thinking again of uh, another game, Desperados Three. I've enjoyed quite a bit this year. Um, those games are more kind of like open, almost like a like a Dishonored or Hitman types of maps where you can approach buildings from lots of entrances, but they all kind of have advantages and disadvantages. What if there's kind of an open floor plan like that, but the traps in various rooms could be disabled or mitigated with things you find in other rooms. So it really is about choosing your way to go through this map based on what you do want to deal with and what you would rather find like a clever workaround to prevent, you know, and, and so you're not, never without risk, but you can always kind of choose the risks that you want to take. I like that. And I, I mean, like the idea of, you know, many of these levels, there's always like a good place to store a body, right? Maybe there's no good place to store bodies in this sort of game. Yeah. But the, uh, does Hitman, I have to ask you, because you're my point of reference here. Does Hitman have kind of mechanics like I can uh, follow this person around, somehow get them to... Uh, touch a thing that is going to capture their handprint and then go and use that handprint to unlock a safe sort of thing. There was an instance of that in the original Hitman. There was a face scanner that you can either kill one of the targets down in the basement where this face scanner was located and then use his actual body to get into this hidden room. Or you could print off like a 3D print of a mask of him and use that instead. So... Uh, that has been toyed with, um, but uh, we are at time, so let's uh, let's stop our spycraft and find a way to package this one up. <laughs> Maybe all I need to do this Thanksgiving is just actually spend a lot of time with it, man. I'm, I, I've always regret... It's a great way to spend a Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are good ways. Good ways to spend my time. Um, yeah, okay. I don't know if we came to enough conclusions. Community, if you can think of like new things for for this mission impossible type experience i'd love to hear it especially around the climbing and scaling buildings mechanics what do we call it gosh we could just call it mission impossible (laughs) or something like that or um is there a dark souls play we could do on it um hmm see i i don't know that much about the mission impossible lore to pull that many specific names what if we call it uh what if we just call it dark mission dark mission i think will work for this one as a spycraft type of game all right, uh, let's go over to the community. Let's follow up with Zaintor's 
uh, second half of the email from last week, we, we tackled one of the two pitches that were given to us. Let's do the other one. Um, last week, of course, we talked about Portal Combat. This time around is a Metroidvania-style game where the camera keeps pulling farther and farther back to always keep the entire map in view as you explore and discover new rooms and areas, but the camera never zooms in again. <laughs> All right. I, uh, I like this. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and start the clock there. You know, maybe even more than a Metroidvania, this would suit a, I, I'd say Metroidvania, any type of perspective or game can be a Metroidvania. That is like an adjective you can apply to something. I'm picturing kind of like a, a standard Metroid Castlevania platformery 2D side-on type of view. Uh, but, um, you know, this could suit a, uh, you know, like a three-quarters perspective, again, to reference uh, Desperados 3. Uh, a game played from that kind of isometric perspective where you're kind of taking in more or less of the scene um, could work here. I mean, even like a, a 2D platformer certainly could work. Having something with a very simple color scheme where you can always kind of see the little blip of your character, I think could be quite fun. Yeah, it's it's almost like I wonder too if uh, I'm, I'm kind of reading uh, the email again here. If there's a a way to earn back zooming in or if there's a way a way to like um mm. potentially i don't know ping or or highlight something in some way so it becomes more or re-readable to the people that are looking at it i think there's the uh the adage on within gaming circles that you know you always 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 want to go the wrong way first because if you go the right way then you're going to be locked into the next checkpoint mm. And you're going to miss whatever grand treasure was waiting for you if you had gone the wrong way. So you're always looking for subtle clues that are guiding you in the direction that they, uh, developers want you to go and going the opposite way from that. And it can be very frustrating sometimes when you find a door closed behind you and like, oh, this was the way I was supposed to go. Darn it. Now I'm never going to know. Or I'm going to have to reload a previous save or something like that. But, you know, in this game in particular, like maybe you don't want to go the wrong way because you know a long uh path that kind of diverges a spoke that goes nowhere even if it does have a treasure at the end does kind of damage the readability of the stage on the way back you know you just extended quite far in one direction that it did not need to zoom into so you know you've uh you've made the the viewport smaller for yourself unnecessarily i i i'm also thinking about like is there a yeah is there like a way to because we almost can get a natural sense of like the threshold of something so i wonder if like the camera almost has a bit of an elasticity to it of like once you start about to like click over into the next thing if the screen kind of like vignettes a little bit and you can feel just a little bit of camera resistance so you know that like okay like once i if i really push past this point almost like a destiny style you have to hold down on the right joystick or something um instead of just you know uh, analog continue to zoom out but the 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 idea of of you you're starting pretty zoomed in but like you know if you can click out one you're going to get to see security systems but maybe the way you design the levels is even like 
oh, okay, maybe a person is, uh, or, or a bad guy, or they're all in red, and there's kind of a reddish level, and eventually you're going to be just kind of blind swiping to, to save yourself. So what level of interaction can we really expect of people knowing that the view, like, I, I like this as a fun challenge, but there comes a point where you're not adding interesting challenge to the mix. Right. You know, you're kind of reactively punishing people for being too curious and are kind of forcing them to play in a way that you know is intentionally suboptimal. Like how do we how do we turn this into kind of like a fun puzzle solving mechanic? How do we make things readable despite the size or how do we even make the increased scale that you have uh, perspective access to an advantage instead of uh, disadvantage. I think one thing you could do is uh, one of my favorite platformers this past year was Ori. And I think that was this year anyway. Um, And uh, playing it, I could imagine there being combat challenges or shrines or something where another one of my favorite sort of character action games is Beautiful Joe. Uh, and beautiful Joe had um, kind of going into cinematic movie mode where it would actually zoom in on Joe and you'd be nice and close and you could beat up the bad guys and it would kind of, when it was finished, zoom out and be a kind of a normal platformer view again. But the the idea of there being these kind of zoom in type of combat moves um, and if you find yourself zooming out, you've got to go... Um, farm or, or, or use some moves on some, some enemies to, uh, some of your zoom in moves to actually click the camera back down into the, the threshold of being able to see your surroundings. Because one thing I like about that is maybe we can play with another concept that sometimes we talk about on the show of like, why don't we do some, some layers, uh, to this, or is there, is there a microscopic view? Can you zoom so far in that you see new things that you didn't see before if you can continue to to fight these characters or even is there instead of <laughs> instead of zooming in and out with a camera and just seeing more of the level what if you're almost controlling the size of the level or the size of your character so imagine like mm-hmm. Mario big world and Mario small world that sort of stuff there's a game called uh oh boy let me Four-sided fantasy is what it's called. It's a game where it's a pretty standard platformer. You control a little character that is able to kind of, you know, run and jump around these worlds, but you can basically click a button to lock the viewpoint or viewport into uh, into place, whereas otherwise it would scroll alongside with your character, keeping them in the center of the screen. You can lock the viewport in place, and when you do that, you can jump your character through the side of the screen they'll come out the other side kind of like a you know a wrap um wrap around like pac-man and you can do this to kind of like access platforms on the other side of the stage or to enter caves that you wouldn't be able to access through kind of the normal route yeah i always like this idea of you know the viewport could be revealing or obscuring information could be physically reshaping the world that the characters live in um there's another Another game called Faryun 2, which was on the 3DS, had a port on the Switch as well that um, that gave you one of the combinations to 
you know, one of the uh, yeah, numerical combinations that you needed to progress in the game because the dungeon was shaped like those numbers and you can read it on the map screen, which was uh, oh. a fun place to hide that information as well. So, you know, maybe you have to, at certain points, extend the map in the alternate or in the uh, the opposite direction that you want to go because you need it to expand so you can see where you're going when you are venturing, uh, you know, in the, in the way that you do wish to travel. So the things that are hidden, the things that are obscured, uh, whether it's actually changing the world or not, maybe even as maybe objects don't exist until they enter view. So you can, uh, you can, uh, you can use that to like to funnel water through a, series of pipes um because the the water source didn't exist yet until you zoomed out a little bit i like that i'm i'm thinking about now i'm thinking about if we can communicate to someone that the, the camera ever goes in one direction like is there something that we assume if the camera goes and or at least mentally i think we can assume that if the camera only goes in one direction that like everything just gets smaller and i'm wondering if it's it's not like you said a level can like wrap back in on itself or something like once it gets so small, Mm -hmm. it like zooms out to be a stone, like just in the other world. And, and, and you're, you just kind of keep pressing on, but you're, you're, Oh yeah. There's a game called kicks the cat. Let me make sure I'm saying that correctly. Is that no, that doesn't seem to be what it's called. Uh, let me look it up. I have it for picks the cat P I X picks the cat. Um, that is a game where you solve little mazes in a way, kind of like little Pac-Man mazes. And then as you complete each maze and get to the exit, it basically drops you into a larger maze with the smaller maze being in the center of it. And it's always kind of like, you know, expanding outward. It's kind of like this recursive picture gifts that you see online. Um, but yeah, that's a, a fun way of playing with scale as well. Although the actual kind of actionable scale of uh of the world doesn't um doesn't change it's just more of kind of a visual thing but it's kind of a fun way to take it but we uh we have gone over time on that one so let's shut it down and let's give it a name what do you think about something that like just has a sound of adventure but also captures the listen to me also also captures the concept something like ever outward or something like that ever outward's fun um, if, is there a way we can kind of also communicate that things are getting like bigger, expanding outward expansion or something is like a term that's coming to mind. I don't know if that's anything there. Outward expansion is kind of fun. Uh, what if you had a yeah. animal mascot and you can call the game expanda? <laughs> so it was a, expanda. A yes. <laughs> I love that. It's uh, it's kind of funny. Anyways. Uh, thank you again for sending both this and the previous pitch in, uh, Zaintor. I hope to hear from you again. Anyways, uh, if you would like to send a video game idea in, you can do so, and we do encourage you to do so by going to playwrightcast.com slash pitch. You can tweet us at playwrightcast or email us playwrightcast at gmail.com. Special thank you to Protodome for the use of our theme song, Hello World, off the album Blue Noise. You know, Protodome has other great music 
to go listen to to check out his Bandcamp or, or on streaming services as well. And when you're on those services, hey, it's time to go listen to the Canaan Roots podcast. It's time to go listen to Sound of Play. It's time to go listen to The Sausage Factory, all the other great shows on the Canaan Roots Network. And to take us out of the show today, I have a redacted game. Um, this is a, uh, yeah, I guess I, I won't give it too much, uh, too much intro. Let's just get straight into it. With four factions battling for control, players step into the combat boots of a redacted disciple in a high-octane, highly destructible world. Players fight for the prize of one wish fulfilled by the stylishly evil redacted, Mm. the mastermind behind the redacted tournament. Disciples strategically dismantle opponents in redacted, loaded with weapons of redacted destruction. Disciples. It, it, you know, it, there's a there's a moment in this um, maybe thanks to your clever redaction that it almost sounded like it was going to go a little Mortal Kombat on me. It uh it, it definitely has that um that kind of feeling to it. I, I I definitely see where you're coming from there. But disciples, disciples, disciples. G- give me the whole thing one more time, and I'm uh, and and I'm gonna take a guess. I've got two guesses, potentially. With four factions battling for control, players step into the combat boots of a redacted disciple in a high-octane, highly destructible world. Players fight for the prize of one wish fulfilled by the stylishly stylishly evil redacted. The mastermind behind the redacted tournament, disciples strategically dismantle opponents in a redacted loaded with weapons of redacted destruction. My first guess, and this can count... Um, is this a red faction game? No, but I, I do like the um, the thought about dismantling and uh, I, I, I <laughs> definitely see that one weapons. Because at first I'm like fighting game, but we're talking about combat boots and we're talking about having a lot of different types of weapons, but also being a disciple. Is this a Borderlands game? Nope, not a Borderlands game. No, I'm thinking of like stylish villain. Okay, um, I need some metadata here. Okay. So, um, this is a part of a larger series. Um, this one is not the first in the series. Um, but it was, uh, the one that had the most kind of complete meta, uh, Metacritic description. So I'm, I'm just reading that one in particular. I think it's kind of a, you know, a, a good point of reference for the series though. But anyways, this one has a 76 meta score, a 7.8 user score, so in relative agreement to quality there. It was the number 68 best PS3 game of 2012, the number 17 most discussed PS3 game of 2012, the number 24 most shared PS3 game of 2012. PS3 game. Now I'm in Now I'm in Killzone land. The the, the disciple stuff is still tripping me up could you give me could you give me two reviews i know i've burnt two of my my guesses so i, I want to no problem see what i can do here before thanksgiving <laughs> let's see what this is the only 10 reviews are in other languages that's not great <laughs> oh oh maybe that's a hint all right here's a nine anyways the redacted tournament was the best thing ever for us. The number of these crazy redacted were so high and powerful. The stages the stages was great. It was pure fun. Free for free for all in free for all in cop? I don't know what that means. 
Fun with Friends was insured. Simply the best game of the series. We hope for a new title. And then a one. There's no zeros, but there is a one. It says, this game has not aged well at all. The level designs are horribly bland, like how the Moscow level is just a bowl with four elevated ramps. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to tell it was Moscow if it wasn't for the Russian billboards and the cathedral in the background. Uh, enemies can't damage each other, which makes no sense. Most of the character special abilities are OP. Mm. The bosses are no fun at all. Yeah. So anyways, this person didn't like it very much. Bosses are not fun. Okay. We've, I feel like I've gotten a lot of information here. Okay. I know that. Oh, you know what? I, I accidentally read the, uh, te- the, uh, reviews for the wrong game, but in the same series. So I feel like it still kind of <laughs> applies. I think it's okay. But if anyone is r- r- listening to this and like, that doesn't match my experience of playing the game, then like, okay, but I, I made a mistake there, but I don't think it changes anything significantly. <laughs> Okay, I've got to guess, but before I guess, I, 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 I'm going to ask an ancillary question. Mm-hmm. Is this a series that is, um, has had an entry even reasonably recently? And recently, I'll say on this past generation of consoles. No. <sighs> um, is this Resistance? It's not Resistance. Ugh. Oh, man. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it was going to be Resistance th- 3 is the PS3 <laughs> big one? I mean, they were all on the PS3. Oh, okay. That was a series that started and ended on the PS3. Well, let's uh, let's read the full description and see if it rings any bells. I don't know if... Like, it's, it's honestly not terrific description, but I think it, it goes into a lot of detail in the story, which I don't think was one of the major selling points anyways. So maybe it's a... Maybe it would ring a lot of bells for somebody who had uh, gotten really into the series. But anyways, with four factions battling for control, players step into the combat boots of a twisted disciple in a high-octane, highly destructible world. Players fight for the prize of one wish fulfilled by the stylishly evil Calypso, the mastermind behind the Twisted Metal Tournament. Disciples strategically dismantle (laughs) opponents in vehicles loaded with weapons of twisted destruction. Disciples in Twisted Metal? I didn't know that that was... (laughs) I guess I was thinking in totally other terms. Twisted Metal, how can I forget? That's, uh... I think... I don't know much about the Twisted Metal story, but I did kind of vaguely recognize the fact that it was about, like... It is a Granting a wish... Uh, like a tournament that resulted in somebody getting whatever they wished for. <laughs> I, I kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, that is the PlayStation Three self-titled reboot, Twisted Metal. I love that. It's literally the best Make a Wish program uh, that could possibly <laughs> exist. We should make more of the Make a Wish kids fight each other in uh, <laughs> weapon-packed vehicles. Yeah, d- I, listen, kid, I understand that you've got uh, terminal cancer, but do you have an ice cream van that can shoot missiles? That's what we're looking for. I was looking for the original Twisted Metal to see if that would have a description, and I did not see it on uh, Metacritic at all, but they did have Twisted Metal 2, which is where that 10-in-1 review came from. But um, the Twisted Metal 2 description is, before you think that this is an in- entirely bad game, let me be the first to inform you it that it does have its strong points, oh. which seems like a review summary and not the summary of the game. <laughs> like, 
it's a uh, I don't know. I just um it just doesn't seem uh doesn't seem entirely professional uh up to metacritic standards. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's actually quite strange, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Wow, twisted metal. I should have got that. I should have got that. Anyways, that's a that's a good one. Fun little wrap up to that series. So, uh we will catch you again next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. <laughs> Thank you.